It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Welcome to Moment of Truth. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses, and it is nice to be back on the air with you, our listeners, both Toronto and Ottawa, and of course, anywhere across the country. If you uh, download the Radio Player Canada app and just type in uh, 106.5 or 95.7 FM, and then just follow the instructions and listen live right across the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, by the way, if you've missed some of our previous uh, interviews that we've done, some of the conversations we've had with some very, very interesting people, you can also uh, hear those on our SoundCloud. They are posted there at a later date and also uh, through our website. Uh, and uh, we'd be happy to have you listen and give us combat, uh, comment, comments as well as you, as you uh, get back to us about some of the interviews we, we have. Today we have a recurring guest, uh, I say recurring, she's been on the show three times now, and um, in, in very different aspects to each time she's been here. First time she came on, it was part of the, uh, the Afro Métis Nation and a CD that had been released in that uh, uh, regard. And uh, she uh, joined uh, someone else that came on with her. Then she came back because she released her own CD. And uh, she came on to talk about that CD with us. Today she's back to tell to us about uh, a musical release. But of course, with COVID-19 and the way things have changed, and also I have to mention with the, the way uh, things uh, recently uh, uh, rolled out, uh, unfortunately, with the tragedy on the East Coast in Nova Scotia. Uh, Shelley Hamilton, who's our guest today, has some uh, roots in the East Coast and Nova Scotia in particular, and some tie-ins with that. Now, just before everything got locked down um, in, in uh, Ontario and Canada with COVID-19, uh, Shelley had, had been playing in a club in the Toronto area, and she had uh, released a song. She was going to go and do this song in the studio, then it got shut down, but she had managed to record this song live in a, in a, in a club. And that's part of why she's here, because as, as odd as it may seem, and she's got a great story to tell you about this song and, and the fact that she didn't go into the studio and, and about just capturing it on, on video in the nightclub when she went. So I'd like to welcome Shelly to the show. Shelly, welcome back. Oh, David, thanks for having me back. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all staying safe and staying strong. So, uh, yes, uh, staying safe and sa staying so strong, but also uh, social distancing and all the rest of those things. But, uh, Shelley, you know, as I mentioned, there's a couple of things we want to talk with you about today. Uh, one is the song that you, uh, that you recorded, um, but also the tie-in with the East Coast. You know, these are all uh, unfortunate uh, things that have happened. Canada's had a rough 2020. Uh, yeah. Really has uh, speaking not just internationally with all of this COVID nineteen thing, but Canada's had some 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 real tragedies. You know, if we think back to the fall, we had that that uh, the plane that was shot down, uh, killing everyone on board. Uh, then, uh, of course, COVID nineteen uh, strikes, and then we have this this horrible massacre on the east coast just recently as well. Yes, and uh, all unfortunate stuff. And, uh, and it's, you know, our hearts go out to everyone uh, for, for those people that have directly been affected by all of this. But why don't we start with um, the song, because that's where this sort of all started for you, I guess. Things had not gotten to the point where they needed to be shut down. 
but you were in a club and you were you were getting ready i think to record this song and you were playing it live and getting the bugs out and that kind of thing but um tell take us through the story about how this evolved at the time when um we had been you know just doing what we do we're a new band we were just getting together and having an opportunity to do gigs in the city and playing up the linsmore was one of them and uh, we were really excited about the show but of course that was just the week prior when we're seeing all the things coming in and noticing that you know there's definitely a change in the air and so we thought, um, you know, let's let's really try to do a good gig for that weekend because we really weren't sure if we were going to be able to have any more shows at that time. But at the same time, I we were working on some new pieces of music, and one of them was one that a friend and fellow songwriter Rick McHugh had sent to me called "Stay Strong," and I just really loved how powerful the song was and thought it would be a great song to work on for some of the music we had been researching in regards to recording and uh, just a great song to do for the show. So when I had uh, got the guys together to rehearse it, it was very rushed because we didn't really have time to try to get together to do a rehearsal, but wanted to get these songs in for that night. And uh, I had forgotten that uh, the bass player had set up a video recorder because we had been just recording our shows just to work out our bugs and see if we like the tunes as we're going on along and learning new music. And when we had finished the show, we sat there at the end of the night at the Linsmore and all had a drink and just said, this is a really great night, but I have a feeling this might be our last show for a long time. And then Friday the 13th hit, which was just like the craziest Friday the 13th. No one will ever forget Friday the 13th in April. I mean, in March. Uh, so afterwards, when, uh, you know, we're hunkered down, we're in the shock of this. And let me just say, this has only been now going into, I believe, week eight or week seven, week, seven, week eight. We keep, keep, can't even keep track of it these days. Um, but we had just been, you know, sitting there for about two weeks and we're still in the shock of this. And uh, bass player had sent the, video and the audio of the night and totally had forgotten about it actually but when stay strong came back on and i was listening to it i just realized like wow this is a really powerful song to have at this time and who would have known that it would have this much resonance so i decided to try to take this rough audio and video that we had and try to work it into something that could be put out there just as a gift just as some energy for us to be reminded that this is going to be probably a long haul and even at that time I was trying to be hesitant about it being a long haul uh, and then Nova Scotia hit and that was even for me it, it not only reconnected me immediately to home immediately to family immediately to all of us as Canadians just thinking what more sadness can we have in our hearts for one another and for our country? It was just breaking my heart. I felt like in a regular world, I would have been on a plane united with my brothers and sisters and my family in Scotia and, and mourning this terrible, tragic, senseless loss with all of them. And then not knowing what to do, you know, I was working on this single just to release it as a, a gift for everyone. And I realized it has more power than that. And there was a reason why I was so determined to get these new tunes out because there was going to be some messages and some strength within that music. And that's what music has been giving us right now anyway. So I wanted to try to do this as a release to be giving it in a way that can also help and lift people up. 
And it's just coming out of a raw moment in our city's history, in our country's history. I don't know how many other moments there are in Canada that we were sitting there having these last moments of physically connecting and being with one another in spaces. Thursday the 12th was one of those last nights that, we, that I can remember sitting, connecting, holding hands, being with people. So that night that I captured was a night of Canada and Toronto still feeling like we can still connect, but it was on that cusp, on that eve of everything changing for a while. So I think just putting it out in that raw form, as much as I'm usually hesitant to put music out in that way, I'm not, I, I always feel very hesitant about putting stuff out there in a very raw form, but this had such a message. And I think even for myself and for the guys in the band, we were all feeling this might be the last time in a while. We've really got to give something that people remember. So I think in that raw moment, that's what I was doing. I was literally just feeling that message. And there were a lot of people in the room too. I remember looking at everyone and them having this almost like cusp of tears in their eyes, just feeling like, yeah, we're going to need to really hold on. Like what's next? It was just such, it was weariness and wariness and the unknown. We were already feeling tired about getting all this information and worried about what was going to happen. And we weren't expecting this. And I just think if we're constantly reminded to hold on and stay strong, that's going to be another message to get us through. And I wanted to be able to give this message to help organizations. So I decided to connect with Nova Scotia Strong and donate to the Stronger Together Nova Scotia Fund. And then I also wanted to be able to give back to artists, me being an artist and knowing how much this crushed all of us that we can't be out there and physically connecting and creating in front of and with people. It's so hard for us, but it's also hard for the public. Like that's actually, we're so used to connecting through art and we're being starved with that. And it's, it's, it's hurting us. It's hurting those that we would entertain. And it's, it's uh, starving the artists who we really want to be out there and giving to one another. So to be able to, donate to the Actors Fund of Canada. It's not just for actors. It's an organization that helps all artists. And they're really trying to be there for us during this time. I've actually connected with the Artists Fund of Canada. And they've been really uh, happy and excited that the song is also out there for people to support and donate us. And of course, for Nova Scotia. And I just hope that listening to the song in the raw context of what it is, lets people hear and know that we've got to be united and stay strong together. And we will get through this. We will get through this. All nicely said. Now, um, I, you know, one of the things you comment on is, is how you're, you don't like releasing things that, that are necessarily this raw. But I think, you know, that's a sign of the times, of course. We're all getting used to having to do things differently. Perhaps this will bring out something in the future, you know, technologically that, that will allow us to communicate in ways, uh, you know, over great distances uh, in, in, in better ways in the future. Maybe this is going to, you know, perhaps bring something like that because that's where we're all turning to. We're all turning to social media. We are turning to music and artists uh, to still entertain us as we, as we see all these live things that are happening online now, which is great. 
I think the nice thing about it too is that we've seen online all these unexpected connections like artists reaching out and suddenly popping into Zoom meetings and that and surprising people for their prom or for their birthdays and things like that. I think it's beautiful. Even here in my own neighborhood yesterday, uh, I decided to just sit out with my sound system and do some music and sing O Canada at noon and I just called myself a hot mess and just said sorry about the wind and oh my gosh this is crazy and I am the worst ukulele player on my street um, <laughs> and it was just really funny and relaxed and simple and very raw and I decided to stream it on Facebook live but what was really fun and beautiful about that is that my 90 year old neighbors that used to live on my street heard that I was singing and drove by 90 years old, drove by in their car because they wanted to be connected with their old neighborhood. And I thought that was magnificent that they did that. It was, it just made me so happy. And then the other thing that happened was these beautiful neighbors just down the street that I don't usually know or connect with. They came up to me and um, the father of the group with some motion in his eyes said, you just gave us a moment with my family to feel a little more normal. Nice. That's and that made me feel like that's why we do it. Yeah. Very. So I'm going to continue to just do that in my neighborhood. And I think other artists are getting that and understanding that in those most, in those simple, simple moments we're connecting and making those uh, heart moments happen, even without us physically touching one another. And I think we're more and more understanding of how important that is for sure. Now you mentioned the song, uh, and people can go go online, of course, to to see the song uh, and uh, hear the song as well uh, that that you you performed and put out there. It's on YouTube, I believe. It's on YouTube. It's uh, downloadable and streamable on Bandcamp. And in order to make sure that everyone can hear the song, including my international friends that have been so beautiful, they've been connecting and sharing it and sending it to other people across the world. And that makes my heart just sing to know other people are feeling that message. It really makes my heart feel so good. Um, they can go to uh, iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, any downloadable or streamable formats. It's there. Uh, I want more and more people to not only hear the music and know that when they're downloading or streaming, they're donating to really good causes, but they're also getting connected with others that feel that same message. And that is what these moments are about right now. We are learning to connect, hear, and feel one another on levels we weren't even expecting. And just having this moment with you, David, and the fact that we have a chance to connect right now and to know that others are listening, I hope they feel how much I want to know that they are connected and that I'm sending love. And I know even as we get through this, if you're sitting there by yourself right now, please know I'm sending love to you, that you can stay strong and that we've got this. Uh, for those people that haven't heard the song yet, uh, Shelley, what what what's the message? What what is it that uh, that you think is going to connect with people about it? I think the first line to me, it, it's weird that the lyrics speak to these times, even though we weren't expecting to release the song. The lyrics speak so much to the times. That's what hits me, especially the first line because a lot of people feel that. And the first line is, I know you're hurting. Mm -hmm. 
that is the first line. And that's the first thing that when I went back and listened to it again, like, you know, just the person trying to do the edits and get everything, the sound and that done as much as I could for the song. When it came back to me again and I heard it, I wasn't listening to me. I was listening to the words. Mm. And I think as an artist, you can distance yourself actually from the, from the art you've created and actually see what the message is you're trying to give to others. So if you can feel it almost as, as an observer, that's a really strong way to interpret your music with, without judging it, except truly trying to be a person on the outside. How does that hit you? And as soon as I heard the first line, I started to cry because I, I am hurting. Mm-hmm. We're all hurting. Right. I'm just going to jump in right now and mention that you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, anywhere across the country, download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 or 95.7 ELMNT-FM and listen on your device of choice anywhere across the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest with us here on Moment of Truth is Shelley Hamilton. She's a multi-force in the industry. She's a singer, actor, host, producer, writer. Uh, been around a long time, done a lot. Um, she's a Juno Award winner. She's uh, performed in many countries around the world. And it's a pleasure to have her on the show with us. She lives in the, in the city of Toronto. Uh, but she also has roots to the East Coast. And that's part of the reason... Uh, why we wanted to speak with her as well on the show today because not only are we locked down with COVID-19 but as everyone knows we had this horrible horrible tragedy that took place on the east coast not that long ago and uh, they're still sifting through trying to make sense of it all Uh, however um, Shelly also has a connection to the east coast and if I'm not mistaken Shelly you have a you had a direct uh, connection to the RCMP officer that was shot and killed in this unfortunate tragedy. It's weird that, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about Constable Heidi as if she was someone I knew, but my community knew her. And it's kind of strange that when you hear as, as a Maritimer, we, we always, uh, we always talk about where we're from. Uh, what I was doing was, it's so funny, when I was doing my uh, Motown and Soul shows all around Ontario, and when we would introduce each other, I would always introduce myself now, I'm a Nova Scotianer. Do we have any Nova Scotianers in the house? And they'd always go crazy. Of course, we're like, yeah, we're Maritimers. And then when I'm telling, saying goodnight to everyone, they couldn't wait to stand in line to ask me where I was from and to tell me where they were from, because we instantly always want to have a connection with another East Coaster when we know that they're an East Coaster. So when this news happened, you immediately feel that connection to where you're from and who you are. And I'm from the area of Coal Harbor. I'm from a black community called Cherry Brook. Um, But people who know that area, we know that as the area of Preston, the black community of Preston. And we're very close to the area of Coal Harbor. And Officer Heidi did work in Coal Harbor. Uh, Not only that, it was at my high school years ago that she did work there. So as soon as I heard that, as soon as I felt that, it's like this is a, a person who not only served our community, but she served my community. She served my people. And it immediately made me feel so much. It made me feel what my community is feeling. And knowing that that sadness is also being felt with everyone 
I absolutely knew that if I could have been there, I would have been sitting there sharing that grief with my community because they were immediately feeling the gratitude and the love that they had for that person and what she gave to our community and what she gave to others. This was a person that lived her life, her whole life in service. And there was nothing but the sweetest and most beautiful stories that came out of her years of service there. So when I, when I heard this, when I heard how grateful my community even was to her because of the history she had with our community, I was even more broken about this. And then speaking and talking to friends of mine that I've had even since high school in Nova Scotia, knowing that they knew some of these people directly that were senselessly murdered, I felt their pain for those people that served them that were their caregivers, that were their friends, that they've lost. So they, I have people that are directly mourning these people because they knew them. Mm. And that's just, that's a lot closer than six degrees of separation. To me, that's my next door neighbor. I, I can't help but think fellow Canadians are feeling that loss as immediate as if it was a neighbor, because right now we're also feeling the effects of COVID as neighbors so how can we not feel this senseless act even more so i mean this is the most tragic the sense most senseless mass murder in canada how can we not feel it and again to add to this the thing that breaks my heart even more is as we're trying to connect we literally cannot connect while we're mourning that is so unnatural for us so all the more i'm hoping that the message of the music allows us to have the connections we need physically even though we can't physically connect i want people to literally feel the music as a hug to them rubbing and nurturing and caressing their soul because we need that right now we need those moments when we can't physically have them together mm -hmm. now you know when we spoke uh, last week just as we were getting ready for the for the interview um, we were talking a little bit about how things have changed musically as a musician, as you, you mentioned, uh, you know, it, it, you need to get into the studio to do recording and things, but that is, that is making us look at, uh, things differently and how things are being done differently. So what are you doing for yourself? Are you able to, do you have a small studio yourself in your home that you're able to record on or, or what are you doing that way in terms of being able to, you know, get your ideas down and those kind of things? Well, it's kind of funny because I never really had a small studio in my house before. Um, but the great thing is, is that I have really great musician friends. And that's what I've uh, also learned. And I share this with others is that whatever you don't have, reach out to those that do know. And they can help you work around things and try to do things and challenge yourself with things to see what you can create. Um, for example, uh, I've been talking to other artist friends and they've been giving me the ideas of how to set up things in my home to test recording and then try to send it out to see what we can do with those um, recordings. So um, I'm going to do things like setting up here in my home with the equipment I have, and I'm going to test ways to record, uh, setting up sounds, setting up things here in, in parts of my home, because I don't have any setup, nor can you usually just go to a store and pick up things. And I have a couple of friends that have been really inventive in their studios or ways to set up studios. And the things they've showed me is that you don't really 
need a lot. You'd be surprised with what you can use. And then you can be surprised with the type of sound you can create in your own home. So that's going to be one of my projects while I'm here. Because again, we wouldn't usually have the time to be home and figure out how we can create. And what we're seeing on television in regards to Zoom and seeing these wonderful creative uh, videos is that those are really long processes in order to get that stuff happening. And they're not um, just getting people together and recording. It's a multi-tiered process to get all that stuff aligned and working together uh, live. Um, so to do that type of work, it's, this is now a whole new learning curve for a lot of people at home. It certainly is for me because I'm usually a person that loves direct connecting. I like my live shows. I like being able to... Um, be able to entertain one-on-one -on -one with people. So this is a different way of connecting and feeling that connection. So uh, it's definitely new for me. And uh, I like the process of learning new things. So, you know, definitely you're never too old and we're definitely uh, in a different learning curve right now. But I, I like the challenge of it. I like the challenge of figuring out how I can I connect with people right now. And I think for a lot of uh, people that are just jumping in and learning this it's all been a good learning curve for them too but the positive thing out of it which is kind of nice is that because you're in this sort of nucleus bubble as you're working you get a bit more one-on-one -on -one with people also mm. you get feedback and ideas as you're uh honing things too so you you do work in this bubble but it's it's almost like a, a different way of looking at your work which uh makes it kind of I don't know, challenging, uh, but a good learning curve at the same time. I hope I'm explaining myself good. <laughs> Doing fine. We appreciate all the comments that you've shared with us today, both about the East Coast and the tragedy out there and to the music that you're putting out that is helping people in this, uh, in this time of need and in this time of, uh, uh, you know, when we need each other's voice and, and support. Um, Shelly, I'm just wondering, is, is music a full-time gig for you? Is that what you do? Is that your prominent way of, of earning your, your money? Uh, I'll say this. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my main way of, uh, of income. Uh, I do hosting. Uh, I also uh, do uh, live performance and shows. I also do a lot of work in regards to voice work and auditioning and, and uh, television and things like that. Uh, but when those resources are suddenly gone, you're not doing auditions anymore. You're not doing any of those type of things related to voice work. And you're certainly not doing any public shows. All of my shows have been canceled. Mm -hmm. So again, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a strange time to try to hone your energy into other things when you don't have other work coming up, which is why having this project with this song is a gift for me. And even though, you know, I'm not working right now, I know that doing this work and having it as a platform that allows people to donate and to give, it, it just allows me to have something out there in the universe that's creating good energy. And when we feel so limited and so helpless and we see and feel so much happening around us, but, you know, we're also told the best thing we can do to help our fellow man is to stay inside and to stay away from everyone. That goes against our natural inclination to be there and connect and do. So I'm trying to find ways as much as I can, even though, 
we have to be distant to stay healthy and well. There's got to be ways around that because I'm definitely a connector. That's the type of person I am. And I want to make sure that there, I almost feel like the, having this out there is almost like having a breath of life that's giving life to others and helping others. Uh, and I hope it does that. I hope it continues to just generate because it's, it's out there, as far as I'm concerned, it's out there to generate good things for others. Nicely said, very nicely said, uh, Shelly. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's great to hear your voice. And even though you are, uh, as you said, uh, you're self-isolating and you're, you're, you're limited in what you can do creatively at this point in time, uh, monetarily as well, it sounds like. Everything that you mentioned sounds very much like it's uh, uh, arts-based. So uh, a lot of that has been um, not available to you at this time for, for uh, earning money. Um, however, uh, you're, you sound very positive, you sound very up, and I know that uh, your, your voice today uh, is going to lift people's spirits just from what the things you were saying, and we certainly hope your song does that as well. And uh, people can go and listen to Stay Strong, they can catch it on YouTube, they can catch it on uh, all the uh, other musical uh, 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 ways of listening to music, as you mentioned as well yes yes they can and if they go to my uh website i've i have my own website shellinghamilton.ca but it, they can also go to which is another thing i was doing in this madness uh i've set up a website for our band called blood harmony so if they look up bloodharmony.ca if they go to stay strong blood harmony and they google that the song will come up any way that they want to even look at it up on itunes you can put in blood harmony stay strong and it'll come up for them and i hope that when they they have a chance to listen to it it inspires them they pass it on to inspire them and they hear the message in the words it was live it was raw and what we are going through is live very very well said shelly thank you once again for being on the show with us we look forward to hearing from you again and touching base real soon there all right take care Yes. Thank you, David. Take care. That is Shelly Hamilton. She's a singer, songwriter, actor, host, producer. As you heard, her song is called Stay Strong, recorded live and raw, as you heard also, uh, just prior to everything being shut down. You can go to Blood Harmony. That's the name of the band that she is now formed for this. And if you go to Blood Harmony uh, and uh, check out her song, Stay Strong, you can catch that. And don't forget, if you do, uh, you can donate to many, many causes uh, through this uh, song as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back here on Moment of Truth right after this. Greetings and welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and of course, anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM on your device of choice anywhere across the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's great to be back. We have some great shows lined up. We're going to start with an interview we had with Monica Itla from the Aboriginal People's Television Network. Here we go. Give it a listen. It's a pleasure to welcome our next guest to the show. I am David Moses, your host of Moment of Truth. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And as I said, our next guest is someone that uh, it's a pleasure to have on the show for a number of reasons. 
One, she has, uh, she's received a newly appointed position at APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, where she is the Chief Executive Officer. And she uh, recently got that position in December. So it's a pleasure to have her on to talk about that. But she's also here to talk about a couple of other things, uh, certainly because of the situation we now find ourselves in uh, regarding to COVID-19 but also because of a new streaming service that APTN has launched called Lumi. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that as well. Monica Itala is the Chief Executive Officer of the Aboriginal People's Television Network, as I said, and she started in December. Monica, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great. As I said, you know, uh, when, I, when I heard about the that you had received, I thought it's going to be uh, great to get you on the show at some point. And of course, because of the relationship that Element FM and APTN has, um, it's even more important that we uh, find the time to uh, get you on the show and, and talk with you as well. Of course, recent changes happened and uh, that threw us all into a bit of a tailspin. Uh, COVID-19 has forced us to all self-isolate, uh, mm -hmm. all work from our homes uh, and, and really change the way we, uh, we do business in, in many, many ways. But um, I'm glad that we are now back on. We're doing shows again, and uh, you are our first guest on the show, so thank you and welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so listen, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. I know you, you worked at AP10 for 16 years prior to mm -hmm. this position, but uh, you, started, uh, you started out of Montreal because you, you are, in fact, from the Abenaki First Nation in Odenac in Quebec area, which I believe is where Jean LaRose is from. Actually, he is as well. Yes. It's a small community, but a lot of us do work in communications. Like Alanisa Bomsawin comes from Odenac as well. Jean-Paul Nel, who was a, a um, French uh, television news anchor, comes from Odenac as well. So it's a small community, but a lot of uh, communicators. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting that you say uh, Alanis because uh, I've seen her, of course, several times in different er uh, live events and things talking about the community and talking about her, her own history and, and things like that. So I have a bit of a description of the community. I kind of know about the, the swimming pool that was a big deal there. Um, yes. I'm not oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that swimming pool very well. Actually, I was a lifeguard at that swimming pool in my teens. <laughs> so everybody in the community knows about the swimming pools and everybody went to that pool. <laughs> right. So listen, take us back a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, telling us a little bit about, uh, as I said, you, you, you said communications, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people from there work in communications, um, but you worked in the, uh, you, you worked for Radio Canada, I believe. Yeah, so I've got a mixed background. So I worked at Radio-Canada in the communications department. But while I was doing that, I was also working at the uh, National Film Board at the, the French program. And I was a researcher, assistant director, and got to direct my first documentary at uh, NFB. So I've got a mixed background of production and, and, and communications. Right. I'd like to find out a little bit more about that, uh, that documentary. But I think you also helped to, to develop something for Indigenous filmmakers while you were there. Yes, with the French program, uh, they wanted to open up uh, their production uh, facilities to Indigenous storytellers. So I helped to put about the first program for uh, French-speaking Indigenous people at the National Film Board, the French side. Yeah. And then the, the documentary you went on to make? 
Yeah, it was called French Man, Native Son. Uh, so it was French and English. It was a story of a, a boy that comes from France and he got adopted in a traditional way by the Yakima, uh, Yakima family in the state of Washington. Even though he was already in his early 20s, <laughs> he was so fascinated by the culture that they really just took him in and, and you know, help him to raise on the cultural side of, of the Yakima um, nation. It was it was a it was a cute little documentary. It was a half an hour. It was a story I wanted to say, and I was very happy that I had the support of of uh, the National Film Board to do that. Hmm. Um, was that was that something that uh, sort of you saw missing that you 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 sort of brought to their attention? How did that develop? Well, I always wanted to go in production. And as I was being a researcher there, I was seeing, I mean, Alan East was there and was doing many wonderful things. But on the French program, there was not much that was being done. So I think they saw that I wanted to open up and, and I was eager to do that. Um, I, had, I had contacts. So it, it, it kind of happened quite naturally, actually. And after that, you know, that, that program was launched for many years after that, and they got lots of uh, new talent, new indigenous uh, French-speaking uh, storytellers. Okay. Well, that's great. Now, as I said, you've been, uh, you, prior to your, your, your new position as the chief executive officer at APTN, um, you worked there for, for 16 years, mm -hmm. and uh, you started out in, in what area? Actually, when I started, I was the Quebec liaison officer. So Jean LaRose was the CEO, and he opened an office in Montreal, and he wanted to do that. So there was a, you know, a, a point of reference out in eastern Canada for APTN. So I was doing a bit of everything, a bit of marketing, a bit of promo, a bit of programming. And then that finally evolved into a, a manager programming position for, for, for eastern Canada. Hmm. Wonderful. Um, now, I, I do know that uh, when you were uh, vying for this position, you, uh, I, I guess you impressed the board with your, your strong vision. Um, what, what, what is that vision that you see for, for APTN? Well, you know, APTN's been here for 20 years. I think there's a very solid foundation. Uh, Jean did amazingly, amazingly well in, in further developing APTN, not thinking only as a television network, but really as a content distributor, a content creator, uh, becoming the indigenous, you know, reference for indigenous that has to do with television, multimedia, whatnot. So I'm, I'm building upon what he's done and trying to bring it even further. And what I really want to develop is more the, um, youth and, and, and children's side of APTN. Uh, we've got, you know, indigenous population is a very young population, and I think we need to support our youth. Uh, they don't watch traditional television, but they do consume lots of content. So it's to find that perfect content they want to watch and how to offer that content to them. You know, it could be through our OTT platform, APTN Lumi. It could be through another type of platform that's still yet to be developed. So it's really to continue on on that that vision also the international aspect of um, aptn aptn is a founding member of the world indigenous television broadcasters network so that's a group of indigenous broadcasters across the world 
for example, Maori TV out of New Zealand. You have uh, TITV out of Taiwan, NITV out of Australia. So they're creating such amazing content and we do acquire it for our, our, our network and we have program exchange but I think we need to bring it further and that's where APTN Lumi once again is going to help us is to be able to get that content and offer it on that platform and really have a place where you want to find indigenous content that's where you're going to get it that still does not exist right now at that level and that's where we want to bring APTN Lumi and another <clears throat> aspect I really really want to work on the importance of our indigenous languages. It's so sad to see that our many of our indigenous languages are on the verge of extinction. My language, the Abenaki language, there's only a few people that speak. My mother's one of them who's working so hard. I mean, she's 81 years old and she's working hard. She taught the language for more than 10 years. She did a grammar. She's doing DVDs, working with my brother. They're doing the animation, the edit and whatnot, bringing all that together and, and trying to APTN this is something that we have that nobody else has. It's, it's the, we're helping to preserve and protect our indigenous languages. We've got amazing programming for every age. So it's really to develop that and bring that to another level. That sounds very exciting. And really, you know, it makes perfect sense, of course, that you want to focus on the youth. Uh, you know, the other thing about uh, the youth and indigenous communities is that uh, I believe for at least 20 years, uh, uh, the indigenous population has been the largest growing population. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it makes, of course, perfect sense in that regard that, uh, that these uh, programming uh, things become available for them. But it's really interesting that you also mentioned they can watch traditional, uh, but they are consuming a lot oh. of content. So uh, I guess, as you mentioned, uh, Lumi, uh, one of those things. Now, let's talk about Lumi a little bit because uh, that's one of the things that you have going on right now to sort of uh, help uh, bring attention. You've, you've got some free streaming, I believe, up until the end of May uh, for you. Yeah, so we launched AP10 Lumi back in October. So that's our over-the-top platform. And there is a, a free part to it. And then you got the paywall. So people could log on to uh, APTN Lumi. You need to subscribe though, right? Even though you don't necessarily have to pay right away, you need to subscribe. And then you have access to a certain number of our content. And I think there's a, there's a trial as well. After that trial, if you want more of the content, you need to pay. However, what we thought of doing is right now, I mean, COVID has brought unprecedented challenges for everybody. And, and we really feel for the parents that, that need to work from home and have kids, right? It's probably, my kids are big, right? So I don't have that. But how, it's, it's a way to help them alleviate a bit, a bit of that tension that we offer all our kids programming for free until the end of May. And that's about 130 hours. So you've got um, programming in English and French and, and various indigenous languages as well. Yeah, that, that's fabulous. So, and, and I do know that um, uh, the, you mentioned about the subscription and you do get this uh, five-day free trial and then it's a, still a very, uh, very affordable at $4.99 a month, I believe is what the cost is. Exactly. It's $4.99. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, now you also mentioned, you know, your association internationally. And mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because just because of the way the, the global situation has changed over the years and we're all it's just becoming a smaller community i guess worldwide um but 
specifically, I guess, indigenous communities have a, a certain relationship. There's a certain connection that indigenous communities share around the planet um, that is, I guess, develops this kinship. It, 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 everybody is, is sort of going after the same thing, and it makes sense that we support each other. Yeah, and, and we've noticed that with uh, the World Indigenous Television Broadcasters Network, how when we meet and, and, you know, we face similar challenges, whatever country you live in. And, you know, working together creates this, this strength and, and you, don't, you feel less alone, right? And I think there's so much that you could share through the creation of content. And sometimes you could deliver message, very sensitive message, and they will be perceived differently depending on, on, on if you're doing, let's say, um, a comedy sketch show out of it or something, right? And, and it's to find these ways to tell our stories and, and to create awareness and, and get people to understand you know, better who are the Indigenous people. Of, of, of this of this world right not all, and and I think you know television or creating content is a great way to bring these messages up front I just want to jump in and mention that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa I'm your host David Moses and our guest is Chief Executive Officer newly appointed the Chief Executive Officer of, as of December uh, for the Aboriginal People's Television Network APTN Monica Itala and uh, she has joined us uh, to, uh, to be our first guest back on the air now that COVID-19 has uh, put us in a tailspin. We're all getting back on our feet and finding ways to get back to do business uh, in our own separate areas. Uh, but it's a pleasure to have Monica with us on the show. And we are grateful that she has joined us. Monica, we were, we were talking about uh, Lumi, the, the new uh, streaming service that APTN launched, as you said, in the fall of last year. Uh, it has, is streaming uh, some free uh, uh, video services right now for youth up until the end of May. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned also uh, looking at, the, I guess, the next 20 years for APTN. You look back, uh, as you mentioned, Shalna Rose uh, set up uh, APTN with a pretty strong footing, uh, established the, the uh, I guess, the, the company in many ways. Do you think that is now secure for APTN within the, the context of Canada as a, as a broadcast? You know, secure is, is a very uh, <laughs> strong word. I don't know if I could say secure. Uh, what I would more, more say is that I think, like I mentioned before, the foundation is very strong. We need to continue to build upon that and continue to create that awareness. And, and to show how APTN within the landscape of broadcasting is an essential service and we're not we're not competing with other broadcasters would it be cbc global bell but that we complement those services because we bring something that they don't have we are an indigenous organization we work with indigenous producers what we offer is content with indigenous perspectives. So that makes it completely different. We see things differently. We'll report things differently. Just think about our news team. I mean, when they go out and cover, let's say COVID, the way they're covering COVID now, you will not see that elsewhere because we take into account what our public wants and what their needs are. And they want to know, how does COVID impact our communities? How do we respond to that? 
And, and we know that they need that information and they need to feel connected. And that's what AP10 in our, in our news programming and our current affairs programming, that's what they're doing right now. They're creating those links, they're connected. And people, I mean, we see how our, our Indigenous communities appreciate what we're doing. I'm glad you mentioned the news and current events because I think that's, uh, that's a very strong face for APTN. Certainly over the years, uh, news has broken some stories that uh, some of the larger uh, uh, news streams have not been able to and, and brought that uh, focus and attention to, to the Indigenous stories, as you just mentioned, uh, with, with a slant that, that looks at things differently and uh, certainly uh, brings that, uh, that view to the greater community. Uh, uh, community. Yes, you know we we cover news that others you know won't, <laughs> and and uh, and that's so important for us. And we've got an amazing team in place that that want to do it. And and you see the passion they have when they do cover those stories. And the way we're we're doing our news right now, I mean, you know, everything is different. I mean. You, we're not able to go necessarily in the communities and go go shoot what needs to be seen, but we still bring the content. And I think people are forgiving on the quality side of the image right now. But what they want is the con the content, and that we're offering. It's it's that 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 indispensable information they need, and really following up on a daily basis. I mean, every day we're learning more about COVID. We're learning more about the situation and things change every day. And we're really at the forefront just being there and, 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 and just reporting on everything that we can report on with, with our teams. You, you know, uh, you mentioned passion in there when you mentioned uh, the, the reporters. And certainly uh, we have had some of the APTN reporters uh, in covering stories on a moment of truth as guests uh, to talk about some of the 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 more uh, highlighted stories that have bro broken over the last uh, couple of years and uh, and and I, I totally agree of course with what you're saying whether whether the reporter is indigenous or not it, your the aptn reporters are extremely passionate they care much about what they are doing uh, and you can hear it uh, in their voices they are Changing. If you're in a conversation with them, and as as I have been with uh, with the, the interviews that I've had with them, and and so it's it's wonderful. It's it's uh, it's nice to see that it isn't just a job to these people. This is something that that uh, it affects them deeply, and they care about it very much. Yeah, and we care about them. I mean, when COVID happened seven weeks ago, right? <laughs> when it it, it just First, uh, we needed to find ways quickly to be able to be sure that our peoples at APTN are safe. And we need to be sure that we can go off the air, we need to stay on the air, and we definitely need our news and our current affairs shows. So quickly, within a few days, uh, we were able to get at least 90% of APTN's employees to work from home. That way we were sure that we would have our, our um, the people that are keeping us on air would be able to go to work because they can do that from home. And, and everybody who's operating our news will be able to also go into the AP10 offices across the country. So keeping them in mind, we want them to be safe 
uh, you know, respecting social distancing and all of that, and, you know, making sure that the ones working from home were comfortable as well. So it was a balance, it was a juggle, but we made this happen. And I mean, APTN is still on the air. You've got, you've got your news shows, you've got your entertainment shows. People don't notice a difference. We were able to, to, do, to do that. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's great. You know, of course, I, I have uh, done a little bit of reporting over the years, uh, in the last couple of years, or a few years, prior to starting with Element FM, uh, with APTN, uh, both as uh, a camera person and, and other ways helping out. Mm-hmm. So I do know about the uh, some of that remote reporting that was already available to uh, the people in the field, uh, which is wonderful that, that you guys had that capability. And um, I'm wondering, though, now, what you're what you're seeing changing that COVID has has made at a at a sort of an industry level that you're thinking about now in terms of moving forward. What do you see how this might affect business in the future? I think a lot of business models will change. Uh, what will happen to APTN? I think um, you know when there's a crisis, you you do see there are opportunities and we have to see what we've learned from, from this crisis. Just the fact that we've noticed that people are actually really able to work from home and people are very comfortable doing it. And you're kind of rethinking also within your office location. Well, maybe, maybe some people are seated a bit too close to one another, right? So you're looking into that as well. So do we have to bring a change to that level? Um, we're more flexible and accommodating now with work hours. Is it something we could do more in the, in the future or not? What is it going to be when we're saying going back to normal? What, what will that normal look like? And, and it won't happen, you know, within 24 hours. Uh, I don't think that when they say, okay, COVID's lifted, everything back to normal, it's not going to happen that way. There's probably going to be maybe some a progressive return to the office. So we're actually, the, 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 um, the management team, we're starting to look at those different scenarios and seeing how, how, what have we learned from this? Take the good out of it, and how could we apply that to APTN? So this is something, it's, it's a thought process, right, that, you, that we're, we're starting to do. We're looking at the different possibilities and, and see how people react to it. I mean, I know there's some people that want to come back to the office because for them, the office is, is a place that, I don't know, they, or maybe they live alone at home and, and in the office is a place where they socialize and whatnot. And, and they, they prefer, some of them feel more, more um, effective and productive working in an office space. However, I know I, someone's telling me, Monica, I have so much done in the day, way more now than ever before. It all depends, right? Not everybody reacts the same way. So it's taking all of those, those, those opinions, those, those insights into consideration when we're going to go back to the normal again. I guess the other thing that uh, would be possibly a consideration, of course, is, uh, is cost. Uh, I think about the cost of travel. I think about the cost of rent of, of <laughs> office uh, buildings, you know, all those kind of things that uh, businesses might look at and say, geez, there is a, there's a, as you said, an opportunity here that could be cost saving as well. And when we just think about our planet, our Mother Earth, right? She's having a breather right now. <laughs> I mean, the air is cleaner. Uh, the highways are less congested. You hear about, you know, wild animals roaming freely. And, and that's pretty good. I mean, so um, we have to think into account 
that as well. I mean, we're learning something about that. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of before and after COVID, um, uh, how, how, how some places have changed immensely because there's less people out there. Monica, our time is uh, almost up, but I'm just wondering, is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you think is important to mention as we finish off our conversation? Um, well, I think in these times, we need to work together. Um, and I know you, you, there's a, a special Stronger Together, uh, Toussaint Psalm, which many broadcasters uh, aired the show the same time on Sunday, April 26th. APTN was part of those broadcasters. And it was a proud moment because we realize, how, we realize how we're all in this together and we have to help each other out as much as we can. And, and I think we're learning lots about those type of relationships during COVID. Hopefully this is something that will continue. Nicely said. Uh, speaking of that, uh, now that I have you uh, on the line and, and talking about working closer together, I certainly hope, uh, and, and I hope you, you will uh, sort of um, reiterate this or, or like the idea, I really think it would be great if we could work closer with your uh, your news reporters uh, covering the stories, getting them to uh, you know to share more of those stories with us here at Element FM, both within news and within the Moment of Truth uh, programming that that uh, we we have to offer as well, so we can help get more of those stories out and shared within uh, the community across the country. Yes, and I agree. I think that's what's important. When you do these stories, you want people to hear. You, you want to share them. They're there for that. So I think the more you know, we work together and share that content, the better it is for the communities. Monica, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And all the best uh, in the future with, with uh, your new position as Chief Executive Officer at APTM. Thank you. Leone. That is uh, the voice of Monica Illa. She is the Chief Executive Officer at the Aboriginal People's Television Network, APTN, as we know it's right across the country. It's been a pleasure having her on the show today. And it's been a pleasure to bring Moment of Truth back to you, our listeners, right here on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. Stay tuned. We're going to have more shows coming up for you right here on Element FM. I also want to say Nyawa Miigwech Wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa Miigwech and thanks for listening.